It's time for the best 60 minutes of your life. This is the Homer Hour, broadcasting live from the Gruber Law Office's One Call That's All studio at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, alongside former Packer Brian Balaga. Here's Cousin Sub's sub of the day, Tony Cartagena. Joe, going to remain your DC, your, your play caller for the rest of the season? Yeah, that's that is plan. Why do you think he puts your defense in the best position to win these couple games? Well, like I said, I mean, this is not... If I thought that that was the best solution today, then you'd, we'd make that decision. Just over two hours ago, that was Packers head coach Matt LaFleur addressing the media and letting everyone know that Joe Barry not being fired today after giving up a historically bad performance to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Lambeau Field yesterday. I'm Tony Cartagena, cousin subbing for Homer today on the Homer Hour. And the star of the show, you just heard him cross-talk with KBN a little bit, is Brian Bulaga, former Packers offensive lineman. He's been around some locker rooms. He's seen everything. Brian, what's up, man? How you doing tonight? Uh, I think better than most Packers fans because I'm kind of just laughing at the situation now. Like, what else can you do? You know, Joe Barry, historically bad yesterday, has no track record of being good. I think people are waiting around today thinking, will he get fired? Will he get fired? And Matt LaFleur is going down with the ship. So you heard the quote there. He, if he thought it was the best solution, they'd have made that decision. He's going to be the D.C. going forward. What's your reaction there? Yeah, I mean, I can't say that I'm surprised by it. I mean, in his tenure, he's never fired a coach midseason or anything like that or has changed duties or taken away duties from a coach. Um, so it doesn't surprise me. I mean, am I like the rest of – Probably all of the Packer fan base disappointed in that. Sure. Yeah, I am. Um, but I just don't if, – if you do make the move, which, hey, it's probably deserved at this point. I'll, I mean, I'll be honest. And, and I've been a supporter of Joe Barry up to probably the last two weeks. Uh, but if you, make a, if you make a change at this point, what will it do? I'm not totally sure. Maybe if you get a different mind in there and a different kind of philosophy mentality, that the, the structure and the scheme of the defense isn't going to change. Um, that's certainly not going to change, but maybe kind of the mentality and the play calling and certain coverages and things like that would change. Um, I fully expect Coach LaFleur to make a change at the end of the season. I certainly do because I, you know, he is, like you said, kind of sticking with Joe Barry here. I don't know if he's going down with the ship because Matt LaFleur is not going anywhere. Um, but I, I certainly do see a change coming so, at the end so of the season. The way the Packers work, though, they have that silo system where yeah. so Goody can fire LaFleur, correct? And I, the, believe, and, and LaFleur, I believe so. And LaFleur can <laughs> but, but Goody can't fire Joe Barry. So I feel like at some point – like, maybe we just need to hear from Goody at some point. Like, is he pissed in all this, too? Like, the rest of – is he sick of his head coach hanging on to his D.C.? Because clearly there's some disconnect in the building somewhere. But, Brian, you said something kind of interesting. You were – I don't know if you used the word supporter, but you weren't on the Fire Joe Barry bandwagon up until about two weeks ago. What changed? I mean, I think you just look at these – like, the Giants won – the Giants game really started – like, and listen, I'm not – I'm not vouching for the performances against the Lions or, you know, they've had multiple 200-yard rushing games that really frustrate me because that 
that bothers me a lot when a team when a team rushes for two bills on you like that is sounds like great offensive a, line play. That's what all, that's and, all I hear there. Yeah, I mean it, it is for the offense, but like as a defense, if you get rushed for two bills on you, that is like probably one of the most insulting things that could happen to a defense. Um, for a, an offense to literally like a good day for an offense, you run for a hundred, a hundred ten. That's probably a pretty good day. Um, you get two bills on. I mean, that's insulting. It's and then like you know, they did that four times. Like, yeah, it's, it's not I mean, one. It's four times in thirteen yeah, games. Yeah, it's it's happened and happened. And and to me, I watched that Giants game and I lost that. I watched that last drive and I've watched it a few times and literally just mind blown about kind of the mentality, the philosophy, kind of how the corners and the secondary were playing off and the lack of pressure and lack of being aggressive against the. A Giants team that has no weapons, has a third-string free agent, rookie quarterback whose agent is an absolute goofball. You cartoon, saw him on cartoon TV. Cartoon character, essentially. Yeah, I mean, right? just just unbelievable stuff. And then that, like, almost that same mentality just carried over against the Bucks, and we just watched the Buccaneers wide receivers just run as they as – they, you know, wanted to throughout the Green Bay secondary with no one around them and just diced up a defense that looked like they, like there could have been a guy running in front of them and they were going the other way. Like they were going to run the other way. And then receivers wide, like it's just unbelievable to me. And just like the mentality and the scheme of it, um, it, it, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. It was uh, very difficult to watch and rewatch. Uh, unfortunately, I was traveling today, so I only really got to wa- I rewatched the defense this morning. Uh, I'm going to do the offense a little bit later tonight or maybe tomorrow. Did you lose depending. a bet or something on this game that you have to rewatch the defense performance or no, you just no, like punishment? No, no well, I, I, as Homer asks me this all the time, he, you know, he, he kind of gives me a hard time, but I like to rewatch the game. I, I watch it live and I rewatch it back from the all 22 and just kind of like to see what happened from the different point of view from the all 22 view you get you get better views and angles and clips that you normally don't get from the sideline copy um but man it, it was just terrible i mean baker mayfield comes into lambeau field and sets a record for best qbr ever in how, lambeau field how is that are we possible? serious how is that's that, what i'm saying you said that stat on kbn a couple minutes ago and i texted ben something i can't say on the air and i was just like i hadn't heard that stat before like that, just, how, all the quarter. So throughout your career, de- a decade plus at Lambeau, right? Like you've seen some big name quarterbacks come through that field. All of them. All, all of them. Brady, the of Brady's them. of the world, the Peyton Mannings of the world have come through Lambeau at least once, and yep. they give up the best performance ever to Baker Mayfield, who's on his third team in what two years? Yes. Like, come and on. Like, and the thing is, like. I'm not a Baker Mayfield hater. Like, I like the way the guy battles. I love his leadership style. I think he's fiery. But, like, no way should he be setting a QBR record in Lambeau Field. Of all the people that have come through Lambeau Field, we're going to give it up to Baker Mayfield in an offense that really hasn't done anything all season. Like, if you look at them, they have – I mean, (laughs) I mean, I I would imagine that – Obviously, after this performance, they're statistically nowhere near even what Green Bay is. I would imagine I'd have to double check my facts there, but I mean, I've watched some Bucks game being in the 
Uh, I'm in Sarasota, so I get all the Buccaneers games, so I watch quite a few of them when they're on. And there's just absolutely no way that even our defense should be allowing that to happen, and they did, and it continued, and it just continued on and on. Whenever they needed it, they got it. They needed five yards rushing, they got it. They needed a 15-yard completion, they got it. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what whatever we did. It just allowed their offense. It's like their offense was out there, as I said in a tweet, as I said it on the show prior. It, it was routes on air. It was routes on air, and guys were just running as they as they felt through the secondary and just catching balls uncontested. So I love when we get the former player perspective on all this because watching it as a fan and someone who understands football but can obviously learn a lot, especially from a guy like you watching the All-22 on this, I'm watching this, and at one point they were like, oh, the Buccaneers have seven-plus plays of 20 yards or more, and I'm like, yeah, that, that can't be good. But there was never a time, and you can almost hear the frustration in your voice calling it embarrassing, there was never a time yesterday where – I think there was a hold. Oh, there was a sack on first down. It was second and twenty nine, and there was never even a point where I've been. Oh, they might get a stop here. Oh, or like this second and twenty nine, this third and fifteen isn't doable. They picked up a third and fifteen on a screen pass. Yeah, a wide receiver screen. Like yeah, at no point yesterday, and at no point in the last two weeks for sure was I ever confident that the Packers defense was going to get a stop. And this is just casual fan watching. And it was against Tommy DeVito and Baker Mayfield. Do you understand? Like Jalen, put Jalen Hurts against that defense, and if they would ever get to the playoffs, they're probably not now. Like that would just be embarrassing. I mean, I just don't understand how it goes from what we did against the Lions in Detroit and against Pat Mahomes to that. Like I don't understand it. Like it's almost like we went out against the Lions and against the Chiefs, and the mentality was. Uh, no one thinks we're going to be able to do this, so let's be aggressive and put all the cards on the table and go get it. And they did. And then we go up against two offenses where we go, well, I mean, we're, we, we're expected to handle business here. Let's lay back. Let's just let's play this thing safe and, and let these wins come to us. And they didn't go get them. And they were punished two weeks in a row after two weeks in a row dominating offenses. There's a complete mentality switch in, like, I've never seen it either, like four weeks Two different defenses, like completely mentality, two different defenses, and it is just mind-blowing to see it. Like, I just don't get it. So I now, don't understand. Now I kind of look back, and I think, like, all right, against the Chargers, they Chargers beat themselves. They had a lot of drops. Maybe we bought yeah. in a little too much. If Mahomes doesn't throw a very uncharacteristic interception, do they march down the field and win that game? And then, obviously, we saw the last two weeks. Do you think it's possible the Lions on a short week and then the Chiefs being the Chiefs? kind of just slept on the Packers. And then we, as fans or whoever, are just like, we're really high, that's two huge wins, and that's on them for sleeping. But the Packers don't look like a team the last 10 days that could beat the Lions or the Chiefs. No, I mean, listen, I don't think, I think the Lions went into that game and they wanted just to rinse and repeat what they did in Lambeau. And that's, and that's their DNA. That's how they play. If you watch that Denver game, that's exactly what they did to Denver. It's a rinse repeat. And the Packers were up for it. They were up for it. You could tell they were flying around. They were aggressive. They were getting after the passer. Um, so I, I don't think the Chiefs slept on that because they watched that tape. The Chiefs are well aware. They lost to the Lions. They understand kind of the team that the Lions are. And if you go into Detroit and do that to that team, 
they can do it to you too. And they did, and they repeated it. And like I said, I think there was that mental that underdog mentality that they had going into those games that they were just going to let it all hang out. Joe Barry did. He, he was aggressive in both games, play calling um, with pressures and, and mixing coverages and schemes, and the guys were getting after it. And then the last two weeks, like I said, it wasn't an underdog mentality. It was, you know, we were the favorite, and we should just go out there. We're going to do just our normal thing, and that should be enough. And it wasn't enough, and it's not enough. And it, it was it was clear as day this last game against the Bucks that a change is coming. And it's not coming this season because LaFleur's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. I, I mean, I know people want it to happen and probably deservedly so, like I said, but it's not going to happen. But a change, I would say, is, I mean, if a change, I'm 99% sure a change is coming. If it's not, then you're right. LaFleur is going down with the ship and he's backing him. But I just don't see that happening. I just don't see that happening. Brian Bulaga's fired up on this victory, depressing, uh, not victory, I said not victory, uh, depressing, just terrible Monday for all of Packer Nation. We want to take your calls, get your reaction. You want to vent about the team. You want to ask Brian Bulaga questions. 800-990-3776. Let's light these phone lines up. I know you guys got questions for a guy who is sure to be a Packers Hall of Famer one day. Brian Bulaga on the Homer Hour. Tony Cartagena subbing in for Homer. 800-990-3776. Joe Barry, not going anywhere. We want your reaction next. This is the Homer Hour, 94.5 ESPN. Your defense in the best position to win these couple games. Well, like I said, I mean, this is not. If I thought that that was the best solution today, then we'd make that decision. Joe Barry not going anywhere. That's Packers head coach Matt LaFleur just a couple hours ago addressing the media and a lot of upset fans asking why uh, the Packers DC is not being fired, but uh, he it's not in the cards right now. I'm Tony Cartagena. I'm cousin subbing for Homer today on the Homer Hour here on 94.5 ESPN. Brian Bulaga is with me, and right before the break, we asked people, fans, Packers faithful, who want to ask Bulaga a question about Joe Barry, about the team, about whatever, to light up the phone lines, and they have done so. So this is going to be a very easy segment for me. Brian, we're about to put you to work a little bit here, though. But <laughs> before we get there, I haven't – Chris Larson, our producer extraordinaire for the show, sent me, sent me a read to do, and I have never seen a read that is more perfect for the situation that we have coming up this weekend. On Christmas Eve – the Green Bay Packers are about to put a defense led by Joe Barry back out onto the field. There is a good chance that you will probably be watching that at some type of family function or some type of gathering with a significant other or friends or whoever, and there is no way you can combine family time and Joe Barry time without stopping at our friends at Discount Liquor. Discount Liquor Christmas Week is here. Stop by 51st in Oklahoma and Milwaukee or on the corner of Barstow and Maine in downtown Waukesha, Discount Liquor has thousands of beer, liquor, and wine in stock for you this Christmas, this Christmas Eve, this upcoming football game with Joe Barry in the defensive coordinator booth. There's no way to survive the next three games without our friends at Discount Liquor. All right, let's hit the phones. Brian, you ready to just let people vent, let people ask you some questions about what is going on at 1265? Yeah, this is – I love this – doing this with Homer, and, and uh, it's something I enjoy. I like hearing from people that – 
watch these games with passion and they love it. They love the team. And, and when things aren't going well, which they clearly aren't, uh, I love to, I love to hear what they have to say and, and hopefully can maybe sometimes I can't even provide an answer, but you know, they get to say something that uh, they want to get off their chest. They want to talk about it. And I'm, and I love talking about it. And just so you know, Homer does get involved in these as well. So you're more than welcome to speak. It's not just me when Homer and I do this. It's everyone. So you're more than you're more than welcome to be involved. That's what this is about. This is fun time. Let's do it. 800-990-3776. We're going to start with Steve in Pewaukee. Steve, what's up? Hi, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. Um, you know, my thought, aside from the Joe Barry issues and the Jair issues, it, it just appears that the the defensive group as a whole is just not connected, that there's dissension or there's uh, something going on behind the scenes in the locker room that it, it appears they're not connected well. I mean, Clay Walker you know, came into the year with so much promise, and he looks lost. And, and I, I see Devondre Campbell, and I see Preston Smith, and I see some of these older guys who are leaders just really not – being able to grab this team by the throat and 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 drag them to where they need to be, it it, it seems like there's disarray and discord with that group. Do you agree? Yeah. So I mean, I think we all saw this when uh, and listen, whether it was a right decision, wrong decision, and how he's playing in Buffalo right now, you can you know it is what it is. But I think there was a lot of questions and probably a lot of. You know, guys looking around after the Douglas trade to Buffalo. Uh, a, a lot of guys talked about it. A few openly talked about it. Um, and we kind of saw, like, hey, what's what's going on over there on that side of the ball? And, and you know, you're, you're, you're now hearing, you know, Coach LaFleur talk about blown assignments and, and guys not being on the same page and, and this and that. Um and I and to, you are correct. I, I was disappointed, very disappointed in, in Campbell and Walker watching them at linebacker. I mean, they, they and these are two guys that, especially Campbell, a veteran guy, got a contract extension in Green Bay. Has been a pretty solid performer. Obviously, this year up and down injuries. And and Walker, a young dude that flies around, had his mistakes last year mentally on the field, but still a solid player. And, and, and when he's been healthy, he's been playing well. But the last few weeks. Guys are looking lost, man. They look lost, and you're right. There, there's a disconnect between what's going on in the front seven and then what's going on in the back half of this defense, and there's a huge disconnect. And when you have that, you kind of start to see what you're seeing right now these last few weeks on the field. I mean, these performances are just they're, – they're awful, and, and you can't have that, especially a playoff team doesn't have that, right? These playoff teams right now, they're starting to click. Obviously – I'm, I, you know, we saw Dallas get just whitewashed the other day. Like, I understand that. Like, okay. But normally playoff teams right now, especially ones battling for the playoffs, like the Packers are, things start to click. They don't start to fall apart. And that's kind of what we're seeing right now. So there is a disconnect going on right now on the defensive side of the ball. And and believe me, I wish I was in there to, to you know, be a fly on the wall in these defensive meetings because I would love to hear what's going on because it, it's got to be just – a train wreck in these meetings because who's standing up and saying, I did my job. You can't, you can't, there's nobody. Cause you could say, Oh, well we had four sacks. Who cares? Who cares? What does that matter? I mean, it's so it's, it's, Ooh, 
Uh, Sacks literally mean zero when you give it all back on the very next play and then some. Yes. Uh, exactly. So, exactly. Brian, you 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 mentioned in there or a little bit earlier, you watched the All Twenty Two, and it sounded like you got to the defense a little bit today. In that, when you're watching the All Twenty Two of yesterday's game and that just debacle, at what point when Devondre Campbell was continuously going into coverage, uh, dropping into coverage on Godwin, were you just like, why are we doing this again and again and again? Yeah, I mean, it, and, and it was consistent. It was so consistent. It kept happening and happening. And guys just getting in behind him or next to him, and he just seemed lost. Um, and again, this is a guy that I competed against when I played. I know the type of player he's a good player, mm-hmm. but it just looks like he is lost in space right now. And then obviously, when he's supposed to be the veteran in the middle of that defense, kind of leading it, I would imagine he's the green dot on the defense. He's he's the play caller on the field, um, and. Quay Walker's next to him. He's also lost. So you're seeing our two linebackers that are conducting this defense lost, and it just trickles everywhere else. And and it's just it, – it, it's amazing to me. But my question that maybe you can answer, I mean, maybe he was hurt. I don't know he was. Isn't McDuffie, is that his name, the linebacker? Yeah, Isaiah McDuffie, who – Yeah. I, f- I felt like Joe Barry was very high on. People like Wildy talk very high about the opinions yeah. that they have of him in that locker room. I didn't hear his name a single time yesterday. I'll check the snap counts for you, but I didn't I, I hear his think, name once. I, I, don't, I don't think he was out there. So my question is, for a guy that's been a consistent performer that's been playing well, I don't think he's been playing much the last two weeks. Why not? Why not? I mean, that, that to me is kind of the way I look at it, but what do I know? Uh, you know, I, I, I A lot more than Joe Barry, to be honest with yeah, you. I, mean, you, I, mean, I, pretty I watched it. You know, I watch it as a fan because I do love the team and I, and I want him to do well. But then I watch it from the point of view as a player, and and, and I watch it say it would be me in the meeting room watching the Packer defense if we were going to go compete against them the following week. And I'm watching them like we we can shred these guys, we can rip them apart right now, and that's and that's what these offenses have to be looking at. Like I know for a fact. They're going to play Carolina next week. James Campen, my own line coach in Green Bay, mm-hmm. is watching this, and they're thinking we are going to run the ball down their throat. That's what we're going to do. We're, we are going to run the ball down their throat and play action them to death. And that's what they got to be thinking because that's that's what they've been putting out there that could happen to them. I don't see why you wouldn't do that. What Bryce Young too, especially what over under twelve passes for him next week, twelve and a half. Like I take yeah. the under there. If you're a smart football team, a smart offensive team. You're going to do that against Green Bay. But you you mentioned something there, watching this as a player. And I kind of want to go inside the locker room a little bit because I'm curious. If you are an offensive player on this Packers team, obviously the offense only put up 20 points. They had an opportunity for more late in the game and then early on when they went for it on fourth and two and it was just bad footwork, bad pass. But as an offensive player, you guys got into a little bit of a rhythm. Is there frustration amongst... In that situation, will will there be or is there currently frustration from the offense toward the defensive side of the ball, toward the defensive room, toward the defensive coordinator? You know, they're probably it's starting to probably brew right now. If I had to take a guess, um, the offense is starting to click right, and obviously, they I think they took a little step back against the Giants. But at the end of the day, Jordan Love let them down, put them in the lead against the Giants, and yeah. the defense all they, they had to go make a stop, and they didn't. So you can look at this in, in a few different ways. Early on in the season, uh, um, 
the offense wasn't doing their job, right? And we could all say that the offense wasn't playing well. The defense was kind of hanging in there for them and, and giving the offense opportunities to to win the game, and it just didn't happen. And now we're seeing this thing flipped, and the offense is being productive, and they can be productive. And Jordan Love's starting to show that, hey, man, I, I can I, I, I can march this down the field and score points. But every time you do something well as an offense, your defense goes right back out there and, and gives up a touchdown and a long drive at that, too. It's not like it's not like these are one-minute drives. These are offenses grinding out drives against this defense and, and just taking what they want from them. I mean, yeah, it, it starts to weigh on you as a as a as an offensive guy. You start to look like, hey, you know, we're down ten here. If we get if we get a touchdown back, which the Packers did in that game, can our defense get a stop and and, and get us back on the field? And it just never happened. It just never happened. What once Tampa separated the offense couldn't do anything to get that gap closed back down because every time they did close it, the gap reappeared right away. So it was just – it's a tough thing for an offense to know, like, hey, man, we're battling uphill here. Like, like we we can't score 10 points in a drive. We can only score seven. So if we do our job and score seven, can our defense hold on? And it just – they they can't right now. They just can't. And it is a frustrating thing as an offensive player, for sure. Yeah, I just feel like it has to be. Like in basketball, you're responsible for both ends of the floor. In baseball, like let's say your offense puts up seven runs and then your pitcher gets shelled for 10. It's just got to be like, what more do you want us to do in this situation? So if I'm the Packers offense, obviously they've had their ups and downs this year, but they started to click. But there has never been a time, whether it was against the Giants or yesterday, where as a fan... I've had faith, like, oh, the defense is going to get the job done here. And it took a very lucky Patrick Mahomes interception uh, to have that happen against the Chiefs. But we'll see what they do against the Panthers. We're going to take more of your calls and uh, continue on the Homer Hour. Tony Cartagena subbing in for Homer today uh, with Brian Bulaga right after the break. This is the Homer Hour, 94.5 ESPN. I'm not sure what the question was. But on the bottom screen of ESPN right now on Monday Night Countdown, the answer was just Chris Godwin, 155 yards versus Green Bay yesterday. That's where we're at with the Packers defense. This is the Homer Hour. Tony Cartagena subbing in for Homer today. Brian Bulaga with us as always on a Monday. Uh, Brian, there's no way that's a good thing, right, when the answer to an ESPN trivia question is Chris Godwin, 155 yards from yesterday. Yeah, no, I mean – Listen, Chris Godwin probably, and I'm not saying he's not a good player. He is. And obviously a few years ago he had the ACL injury. Kind of hasn't been the same guy since then and worked his way back. And he, he hasn't been too productive this year for the Bucks. but then goes and doesn't have a touchdown but has a career day against or probably one of his career days against us. And it's just, it just, it, it blows my mind, like, I didn't go into the game thinking Chris Godwin would ruin it for us. I thought it would maybe be Mike Evans and having a couple big plays over the top, but it wasn't. It was Godwin, 10 for a buck 55. Like, come on. And, and like you said, one of them was on a bubble screen on like a third and 15. And I think and, he got 17 like, on it. It made it look easy. Yeah, and it looked like no one was even out there trying to tackle him. Like, it, it just – I don't know, man. It just it, – it blows my mind, and I just – it's frustrating. Yeah, what do they do that award on ESPN, the Hemi Award? He'll probably get oh, it this week. He was him yesterday against the uh, Devondre Campbell and whatever other linebacker they tried to put on him. I quickly brought up – let's just be depressed today. I, I, brought, I brought up Chris Godwin's ESPN stats, right? Starting with his game against the Falcons, 
last oh, week. The, uh, so yesterday was his first time with double-digit receptions all season. Before that, the highest he ever got to was, I believe, six. Yards. Just, I'm going to quick game log his yards. 53, 0, 45, 39, 45, 16, 60, 32. He did have 114 early in the season uh, against the Saints, but 51, 32, 16, like, and then 155. Oh. 10 receptions on 12 targets. Honestly, yeah. I'm surprised that there were two incompletions toward him. Yeah, me too. I'm actually shocked by that as well. Must have been a bad ball. And you watched I mean, the, he must have just been in the area for like a throwaway because every time yeah. they went to him, it was completed. Yes, 100%. I mean, what was Baker? 22 at 28? He missed six balls? Like, and, and it had to be it had to be throwaways. I mean, it had to be. I mean, the, like when they threw, when Baker threw the ball, I just knew it was getting completed. Like it was, just, it was going to be a completion, and and that is the most frustrating thing. Like, do you remember? And and I don't know. I was obviously I, I'd have to think back, but like I don't really ever remember a contested ball. Like when when he threw, I don't ever remember like a contested catch. I but remember like, two. One was Quay Walker was about thirty yards downfield, and the announcer was like, "Oh, Quay Walker had a shot at that." And it whipped by him. He he had no shot at that. And then there there was a pass interference. That's okay. about as contested so, as they got. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 there we go. It was and and like when when you watch it over and over, it's just like guys sitting down in space, and there's no defender within like three yards of them. And like for an NFL quarterback, I don't care if it's Aaron Rodgers, I don't care if it's Baker Mayfield. If there's no defender around a receiver within three yards, that's wide open in the NFL. That is. Wide open, any quarterback can hit those guys, and Baker Mayfield did it, and he did it with ease. And it, it was, it looked again. I repeat it. It looked like routes on air, like when you would do, uh, you know, pregame routes on air. Not even Skelly against the defense when they're not even trying to break up passes. They're just letting the receivers run their routes, and and th- that's that's kind of what it looked like. And, and and it's it's inexcusable, and I don't understand how. That is the defense that's called. We're I don't get, understand. We're going to get to Frank in Port Washington here in a second, but I just looked up some stats. So Mayfield was 22 of 28, six incompletions. DeVito was 17 of 21, four incompletions, all yeah. in the first half. Yeah. So I in mean, two this... games, 120 minutes of football, only 10 incompletions have been thrown. That's fireable. That's a fireable offense just in that. Yeah, I mean... It... It, it it it's a stat that just doesn't make any sense. It's it so just doesn't bad. make sense. It's just so bad. And and the thing is, like Coach Lafleur, you know, he can say, you know, it was you know guys blowing assignments, and 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 I understand that that probably happened a few times in that game, right? That probably happened, blown assignments, but it didn't happen twenty twenty eight times or twenty two times. They didn't blow assignments twenty two times. Like that's not realistic. That there's no way that happened, because to me that means hey, the call's coming in and guys have no idea what that call is, and they have, they're just out there. I mean, that's my if that's how guys are blown calls, then then sure that could be on the players, but then that's on coaching for not making these guys understand what that call is. I mean, at, especially at this point in the football season, like this isn't week one, this isn't week two, it's not week three. We're at the end of the season, and this is happening. It's it, it's it's ridiculous. Speaking of calls, Frank in Port Washington. Sorry, I kept you on hold for way too long. What's up, Frank? 
No problem. 24 hours of Joe Barry talk. I'm going to switch it a little bit since we got this great offensive lineman. Let's do it. What do you I got? See a Belaga jer- I saw a Belaga jersey at halftime, so good for you. Love um, it. We, we ran through, the first time we had the ball, we ran hot knife through butter, and basically after that we gained nothing at all. What did, do you see anything in particular that, what, what changed that so quickly? It seemed like we were going to be able to run at will for the whole game, and then it just stopped instantly. Yeah, I mean, if you look at probably Aaron, I mean, Aaron Jones, what he, 13 for 53, as long was 20. That a lot, like you said, a lot of that happened in that first drive. I think he had roughly around 40 yards on the first drive. On the first drive. Yeah. 40, yep, 40. Right. And, and then it, it just seemed as if the, the Tampa Bay Bucks said, all right, like, this is not how we're going to get beat today. They started bringing more guys down in the box and, 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 uh, they said, we're going to make Jordan Love do this and, and beat us down the field. And and you know what? The, the, the thing is, like, I don't even think Jordan Love played a bad game. I thought he played fine. He missed that throw on fourth and two that should have been a touchdown. Like, he's got to complete that ball. There's no no excuse for it. Wide open receiver in the corner of the end zone, right in the front of the pylon. You got to complete that. That's a touchdown all day. But after that, like, sure, he had a couple errand throws and, and things like that. But, like, I thought he played well, and I, and I thought – um, from a quick view, like I said, I haven't gotten into the offense too much because I was on, I was traveling today. Um, I thought the offense offensive line played a pretty solid game too, at least from watching it from the TV copy. So it's kind of hard to to finger point exactly what happened, but obviously when you look at the run game breaking down, uh, there's got to be something that was happening interior on the offensive line, which has kind of been an issue for us throughout the entire season, run blocking interior with the center and the right guard and, and things like that. So I'll, I'll dive into that for Thursday's show so I can get a little more um, education for myself on that when I rewatch it. But it, there, there's obviously an issue with that. And obviously, thir- how many carries did he have on the first drive, Tony? Just, just so I'm... I'll have to go back and check the drive by drive, but I think it was like okay. six for forty-four. Six for forty-four. So, so he touched the ball on the ground six more times, or seven more times, essentially throughout the entire game. So, you can't really look at that as saying like, "Hey, we stuck to the run." I mean, Taylor had a carry. Kenyon Drake had a carry. That was almost right? a so disaster. Like, yeah, I know. So, like, you look at it, you can't really say like the Packers stuck to the run game. I mean, and. and Obviously, as the game progressed, you couldn't really run the ball because the Bucks were scoring at will. So you had to go to the air, and hence why you see Jordan Love with 39 attempts. So the run looked good early, and then obviously we got down to the goal line, and obviously goal line defense against the the Bucks are a really good red zone defense. That's kind of where they hang their hat. They, I mean, if there's one thing defensively they are, they're good in the red zone, and they got Vita Vey and a couple good run stuffers, so – you get down to the run zone, it's going to be tough sledding down there against them, but you got to be able to throw the football. And, and obviously, as the game went on, you needed to throw the ball because if you just tried to run it and you chewed up clock, even if you ran it successfully and chewed up clock, the Bucks were getting the ball back and they were going to score. I mean, it was just going to happen. So they kind of abandoned that run game early on, and I think that's kind of why you saw the numbers the way they were. So it was seven touches on that first drive for Aaron Jones, 44 yards. So, yeah, six yeah. Six touches the rest of the game. Yeah. So you can say, like, you know, why'd we, like, what, what was, 
preventing them from doing it. I mean, yeah, I mean, they got stuffed down in the red zone a couple times and things like that, but the game got to a point where you couldn't run it anymore. You had to throw it. You had to go to the air. You had to try to keep up with points and, and get points quick and because the defense wasn't stopping Tampa. So that's kind of the way it went. And Love looked good, 29 to 39 for 284, two touchdowns, had that one bullet for a touchdown. Yeah, he made some mistakes, but – he should have been a lot more. The game should have been a lot closer than it ever really felt because we just knew the whole time you're not stopping Tampa. Yeah, that that's that, that's kind of the story of the of the game. That no matter what Jordan Love did, like I like I kind of said before in the last segment, you'd close that gap and the gap would reappear right away. And 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 it's you're you're fighting an uphill battle when you know you're an offense. You're down ten. Yeah, we kind of put ourselves in that hole, especially early on when we missed the fourth and two, um, but. The gap's 10, you close it to three, gap's right back at 10, just like that, snap of a finger. So it, it's hard uh, for an offense, and, and it's hard for a run game to get established when you're fighting that battle. It just is. Joe Barry not going anywhere if you're just tuning in or you've been living under a rock in Wisconsin today. That was the storyline Matt LaFleur said during media availability. He is going to be their D.C. going forward. Uh, we'll have that audio. And uh, we got full phone lines right now. We're going to try to go rapid fire after break. Brian Bulaga uh, and Tony Cartagena, I'm Cousin Subbin for Homer today on the Homer Hour. This is 94.5 ESPN. Tony Cartagena, Cousin Subbing for Homer today. If I was Homer, I would have taken off too. Have to talk about, have to talk about Joe Barry staying around in Green Bay. Joined as always on a Monday by Brian Bulaga. Brian, what's up, man? Not much. Just, uh, just still can't believe what I watched yesterday. So still can't I, believe it. I think I developed a poll question that is so absurd it might actually have the first ever zero percent response on at ESPN Milwaukee. It's our discount liquor poll question. And it's simply, who do you blame most for yesterday's loss? And I listed everyone. Matt LaFleur, Jordan Love, <laughs> Joe Barry, and why not? Because Chris Larson said he needed a fourth option, Aaron Rodgers. Why yeah, not throw, throw his name there. out there too? If yeah. anyone votes for anyone outside of Joe Barry, I'm gonna need a full explanation. Full explanation. Yeah, I mean- I mean, I'm sure people are going to vote for LaFleur because they're going to say he still has him as the D coordinator. I get that. But, like, Joe Barry put the defensive game plan together. He's the one that put it together. He made the calls in the box. Did he Did he, uh, Did he? he put together a game plan or did he kind of show up? Is Joe Barry the kid that, like, crams the night before the test? All week he just <laughs> smooth sails through class. And then, you know, the day before the test he's like, man, I got this. And then he doesn't have it. You know, like, I can't. I can't believe that a, a a defensive coordinator in the NFL would ever do that. So, no, I don't think so. I just believe that he thought that he could play what they did yesterday and they would be just fine. He must have thought that up front we outmatched them. We're going to get after Baker Mayfield. We're going to make Baker Mayfield make mistakes. And it never happened. Besides the fumble, which wasn't Baker Mayfield's mistake, it was obviously – the the right tackle getting beat, but after that after that play, there was nothing. There was I mean there there was nothing. Nah, and that defense just got got absolutely shredded. Absolutely shredded is a great way to put it. We got Raleigh and Oak Creek. Rolly, Raleigh. We'll say Raleigh like fingers uh, on line three. What's up, Raleigh? 
Yeah, it's Raleigh, like Raleigh Fingers. Nice. Uh, Brian, I have a, a nerdy uh, offensive line question about the uh, – uh, usually it happens at the end of the half or end of the game where a team needs to spike the ball or a kneel-down situation. And also, also what would happen is some defense, defensive player would react aggressively, and next thing you know there's people shoving in fisticuffs. Is there some uh, unwritten rule, or does a referee ever have to say something uh, to tamp that down? Or uh, what's, uh, what does the old Highlandman think? Yeah, so, I mean, as an offensive lineman, you know in a kneel-down situation or a spike that there's a high probability, especially at the end of a game when, you know, we're just taking a knee on it, that a D-lineman is going to be frustrated and try to take a shot. And he's going to try to go as 100% off the ball, try to take a shot. And as an offensive lineman, it's legal. They're allowed to do it. The ball's getting put in play, gets snapped. They're allowed to go hard. It's normally an unwritten rule that you shouldn't do it because – you know, if you remember the Shiano thing from a while back when they were submarining offensive linemen toward the end of a game and trying to get the ball away, that caused a fight. But um, it's just one of those things that it's an unwritten rule, but D linemen still do it because D linemen, you know, they're they're a different breed, man. They 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 like to get under the skin of offensive linemen, and even at the end of a game when the game is won, it's over. You've beat up a defensive, especially the way the Bucks beat up the Packers. Um, that entire game, they still do it. And, uh, you know, that, that's the way the NFL is going to be forever because emotions are high, guys are angry, they're upset, and they just want to take a shot at a guy. And that's that's normally the way it goes. The refs can say what they want. They're never going to throw a flag on it. And, uh, you know, you just got to be ready to, to accept that a D lineman is going to come off the ball as hard as he can and try to hit you in the face, even though the ball's about to get kneeled on. We got a couple minutes left in the show, and Brian, we got someone who has blamed Aaron Rodgers for yesterday's oh, loss. Matt, oh. in, Matt in SD, which is probably San Diego, but I'm a big Tucker Craft guy now, so I'm going to go Matt in South Dakota. He says this: Aaron Rodgers dictated Matt Lafleur's coaching style his first four years and made him a weak coach that carried over <laughs> and led him to not fire him Barry at the end of last season. He never <laughs> sees the power he should have. That's why I blame twelve. We've done it, people. Oh we yep. have blamed Aaron Rodgers, who lives in New York, for yesterday's yep. debacle in Green Bay. Amazing. Uh, I love it. I love it, yes. Um, I got no Aaron, words for that. No words. Aaron, yeah, you know I, what? I might disagree with you on a lot of things, my man. I'm sorry we put you in this poll. You're about to catch strays for no reason. Yeah, Absolutely I mean, no reason. And that's on me. That's my bad. <laughs> I mean, Aaron, to blame Aaron because he made Matt LaFleur the way he is. And, like, listen, I, I, Matt LaFleur hasn't fired, any, like I said, any coach in his five-year tenure, yeah, five years, six years, wh- whatever it is, his tenure as a head coach, he hasn't fired an assistant or anything throughout a season the entire time. So, like, we shouldn't expect it to happen now. But like I said earlier in the show, I fully expect – at the end of the season, they are going to go in a different direction defensively. I just – I have to believe it. There's no way Matt LaFleur and and Goody, right? Goody watches this the same way we watch it. Um, obviously, he has way more insight than we do, but there's no way those two guys meet at the end of the season and the outcome that comes from it is let's stay the same on defense. It looks good. There's no way. It just can't happen. It won't happen.
I like to I, – I feel like text messages during Packers games, the group text fans are always pretty intense, especially when the defense is playing. Like, I wonder if Goody at any point yesterday just had a thread of text sent over to Matt's phone. Just like, bro, what <laughs> – probably like profane late – like, are you kidding? Like, what, what is going on? What? Because Goody, for those listening, can't fire him or can't fire Joe Barry. So I bet that was pretty spirited. Yeah, I – you know, he, again, I don't know the structure, the power structure that is the Green Bay Packers front office and all that. Um, but I'm sure that there can be a very, you know, opinionated uh, conversation that Goody can have with Matt LaFleur. Not probably already had it, but we'll have it again after the last game that 